When you don't so much break a record, so much as smash it into a million small pieces. It's That's So MLS, a North American soccer podcast with myself, Andrew Bates, and Nick Thornton. Hello. Nick, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastically well. Uh, apparently, Wando just needed his shot, eh? <laughs> It's it was uh it was a great week uh it was a great week for soccer in general but also for Chris Wondolowski who has scored his uh hundred and forty fifth forty sixth forty seventh and hundred and forty eighth goals uh in in one game to take the number one all time scoring spot from Landon Donovan um another long time San Jose earthquake uh. This was, I think, a great sort of building on, on a long career for Wondolowski, uh, and I think a feel-good moment for many people involved. Although, some people are still making fun of him on social media. Or, or there, there's been some negative to it, and I don't know why that would be. Maybe what's involved the, what's in the negative? national team stuff. But Well, I think that some people have been... Uh, there was, There were some people that are... Hmm, He's kind of in that age as a player where he is good, but he's not really a regular contributor, I wouldn't say, as in terms of goals for the Earthquakes at this time. So, like, well, I feel like in there were fairness, some people... this was his first game he started this season. Right, right, right. So, so I mean, sorry, uh, I know you're you're not arguing this point. <laughs> you, I just asked you what their argument was, and now I'm arguing against you. <laughs> there had been some. There had been some negative. There had been some, like, some people razzing him for whatever reason. But, and I don't know if that has to do with, with bad feelings from the national team, but he rules, and it's so great to see, uh, it's so great to see him take this step into the record books. Absolutely. I mean, it seemed kind of without a doubt he would. It was just a case of when. But certainly the fact that he had not started a game up to this point seemed to be... Uh, like, maybe he'll do it, but he'll just do it. And, I mean, the fact that people had anything negative to say about it, I think, is probably why we saw him do what he did on the weekend to break the record. That um, you can say he's well past his prime and he's only that good because he's on San Jose or look at the opposition or whatever, but the fact is he didn't just break the record. As he said, he's, he smashed it home. <laughs> um, scoring four goals in a game, regardless of who you're playing in MLS at this point, is um, a huge achievement. Let alone at his age. I for the first time in his career, it was his first. It was he broke his own record for most goals in a game by him. <laughs> we don't see what happens off the field and the kind of presence he has in San Jose. Although their fortunes have changed somewhat in the last couple of weeks. You know, they needed another win, and they also needed their star player and their central leader to get it. I mean, this is a huge lift for uh, the mood in San Jose, I think, that can't be overlooked as well. Like, it's Absolutely. not just about his record. It's a lift for the whole team at a really critical time um, from their leader. So, well done this to is, him. This is, a, this is a player who uh, he... in what I believe is uh, 14 years in the league. He has played every single one of... No, uh, 15, I think. He's played every single one of them in um, MLS. 
uh, he has he started it with the earthquakes in 2005. The earthquakes moved to Houston. Um, he didn't. He appeared sporadically from 2005 to 2009, or from 2006 to 2009 for Houston. Won his two MLS Cups of his career there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he really came out of, came into prominence as a player um, once he was traded back to the earthquakes. The new the new look earthquakes uh, in once they had re expanded in two th- uh, they re expanded in two thousand eight they got him in two thousand nine he became uh, a regular starter in in four seasons would score twenty seven goals winning the golden boot bringing San Jose to the supporter shield uh, this is his uh, yeah this is his eleventh season for them and it's just like such a such a key part. Uh, a key figure in the new, re, uh, newly revamped version of the franchise. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, his his impact for that team and, and across the league is is really unparalleled. And uh, I like that you know he's getting his his moment in the spotlight again. But mm-hmm. again, you have a team. You have San Jose come up to a team in, in Chicago who is themselves trying to build a little momentum. Um, and last season you would not have thought of as the last two seasons you would not have thought of as as somebody that's gonna get uh dummied by San Jose. Uh mm-hmm. and and San Jose plays some pretty good um the the first goal that ties the record, uh he gets it in from the far post and the record breaking goal is this Strange cheeky goal after uh, a high ball comes in and the goalkeeper drops it, and Wondolowski kind of like uh, materializes behind him like Nightcrawler. Uh, <laughs> it's a very and, cheeky goal. Well, not, I felt I felt bad for Osted in this game because the it was raining quite heavily. It, it was kind yeah. of hard to see in the broadcast, but it was raining really heavily and. Uh, as a goalkeeper that plays in the rain often, I can tell you that even with the best gloves, it's just so hard to hold on to a slick ball. And so yeah. what looks like a really stupid error is just, you know, you're doing what you would normally do and just naturally responding, to making the same movements, but the ball is so slick it can drop out of your hands or, or spill really easily. But again, Wondolowski just appears out of nowhere to get that one in. Mm. A uh, lot of lot of action on the far post as a part of this uh, as a part of this four one game. The final uh, the, the the final goal is Chicago's as a deflection goes the opposite way that, that Vega wanted it. The keeper. Yeah. Um, I mean, does this rain sort of invalidate the feeling for Chicago? Were you disappointed by them, or or is this sort of a blip? Um. I mean, I think it's okay to call it a blip, but for me, the disappointing thing has about Chicago all season long, and and this goes into mostly the tail end of last season as well, is that I mean, we know they're still a beatable team, even when they get in their upswing, they they still have weaknesses. The thing I want to see from Chicago is that when they get when they go behind, it it feels like they just sort of give up. There's not really much fight in them. So Chicago, when they win, we're largely seeing them get ahead early, stay on top, and occasionally they can also blow past teams where they can knock in three or four goals and and really do the damage there. But when they are suddenly finding themselves 
in a position of adversity, there's just no fight left in them. I mean, yes, they got a goal back, but it was a pretty fortunate one that took a, an odd deflection off a defender. Um, yes, it's still a goal, but, you know, against um, against this opponent, I would expect that Chicago should have brought a little bit more. And, and really take nothing away from Wando's goals, but it was some pretty sloppy defending on at least three of them where there's just, <laughs> you know, the very basics of marking in the box have completely been forgotten. And, and that's really disappointing to see at this point in the season when Chicago's had some good performances. So if you're finding yourself in a position where you're already behind, there's no excuse to have defenders standing, you know, both feet firmly planted on the ground in their box defending and everybody just sort of standing around looking at each other. Yeah. Um, I think that the the thing uh, offensively that I look at as well with Chicago is um, you can always kind of tell a, a lackluster game for them by uh, at least one shot of Nemanja Nikolic, like trying to wheel the ball into the goal as it, like, is nowhere near his foot yeah. or head mm-hmm. or the goal itself. Not that he, you know, he's 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 sort of climbed himself up a little, um, a little bit of a slump, but um, you can still see him struggle sometimes, especially, and I think the games when he struggles are, are games where they have uh, a tougher time. The another Absolutely. big blowout this year or this week was um, Orlando five Cincinnati one Orlando another team that is really just turning itself around and getting a positive momentum. This I think what was so surprising to me and this is you know when you talk about a team sort of going knuckling under under when adversity happens, this appeared to be a pretty even game. Um, with Cincinnati scoring first, despite uh, Orlando having the, the line share of, of uh, possession in the first half, uh, the uh, Cincinnati scored first, Orlando scored second. Heading into halftime, it felt like you know this is this could have been uh, either team's game, but Orlando just hammered Cincinnati for four goals in the second half. And I don't think their season there's much to be salvaged out of this season beyond trying to bring in some reinforcements, but um, really looking to develop a style of play that they can call their own and then look to see how do they develop in situations that may be getting away from them. On the other side of that, I see a team like Orlando, which for ever since they've been in MLS has been a one totally one-dimensional team now all of a sudden having some more ideas and there's goals coming from other players. Um, definitely some things that are maybe creating a little bit of chaos, but they're creating chaos in, in the right end. They're defending a little bit better in midfield as well, which is helping the team out tremendously. Um, and it doesn't hurt to have that Nani guy, you know? <laughs> he's, he's going places. What a, what a wonderful young, <laughs> what a wonderful youngster for the lead. Yeah, uh, I think that the you get the uh, they get hit. I think for three straight ga- three straight goals, um, where the ball sort of comes from the baseline to somebody in the center, just like ping Nani, ping Tesho, mm-hmm. uh, ping Don Dwyer, 
are are sort of those final th- those final three. Yeah, the, the great the goals first, from Tesho in this game for me. That's true. The first one was really good. I like this. I like this sort of you know quick, uh, quick play but with with Johnson acting as like a hinge between Moutinho and and Tesho, which was really good. I saw some commentary online from fans that were like, "Do I like Will Johnson again?" <laughs> I think we can just admit that he's always going to be an up and down player that we hate, and then he puts on a performance like that, and everyone's like, "Oh, he's pretty mm. good." Maybe not the most consistent player, but definitely Will Johnson when he's playing well is such a, a boon to teams. There was a penalty in this one, and I don't understand how it's a penalty and not a like a yellow or red card. Uh, mm-hmm. The the game notes are suggesting that it was conceded by Kendall lost it on Lamine Sane, but I had uh, I had a different player's name in my notes. Uh, Mendez getting Tiger suplexed by we talk about we talk about it was identified as a a, a, a full Nelson suplex, but I kind of think it's a Tiger suplex, and I have a little <laughs> bit of experience about that, so it's okay. Um, the uh, we talk every week about what is and isn't reasonable bumping on a mm-hmm. corner or, or on the forecheck or the, the soccer version of the forecheck. And it's like, this is, it's so strange to me that we have, you know, 50, 50 calls are ones where people's arms are in there. And for some reason in the league, you still have a player literally underhooking the other player and lifting them into the air and trying to, and, and, and bringing them down that way. And you're saying that's not allowed. That's not allowed. That's not allowed in the referee. Actually, it required VAR. <laughs> well, it's they MLS. Come on. Come on, Bates. They you did VAR it. Can't, they can't make it, it easy. Correctly. They, it was correct. They, they made the right call. Uh, penalty was saved, so it didn't matter anyways. But that was a new one. <sighs> You'd think that maybe a suplex is a <laughs> yellow card offense. Or a red card offense, but um, but you know sometimes you'd, you'd be surprised. You'd think a lot of things. <laughs> as as we were surprised um, when RSL beat TFC three uh, nothing. Yeah, this for me this was one of the first games I saw this weekend, and I was just sort of uh, I, I think I was actually just checking through our Twitter to see what was going on, and uh, all I saw was that. Um, Toronto had somebody sent off, so I was like, well, let's go see what's going on here. It must have been some sort of uh, freak accident. And then I turned it on. I turned on the game, I believe, as the third goal got smashed in by Savarino. Oh, (laughs) no. Oh, so Pozuelo got sent off. Um, But even then, like looking back and, and reviewing the game, this was not some freak accident where something very fortunate went in RSL's favor. RSL just played a really great game. And yeah. Like, just pantsed Toronto. Like, I've not seen them look so bad in a game. And not because they weren't necessarily doing the right things, but just, like, they looked totally out of their depth and had no idea how to cope with RSL. And I was like, did they not run the tapes, or were they thinking this one would just be a sleeper game, but RSL played like RSL can play, where they just hit time and time again on these brutal counterattacks, the quick balls into tight spaces that they're so good at. 
um, and just tore Toronto to shreds. I feel like uh, we've identified the issue with the defense before, but now we have Drew Moore in, who is my favorite, or one of my favorites on, on the TSC defense, and I wonder whether or not maybe just the three at the back system has to be thought of because it really did look um, comical at times. You had on that first goal, you've got two guys on Crylock as he is is he's chesting the ball down, mm-hmm. but he's able to chest he's able to chest the ball down and then take it back off of the two guys yeah. who dispossess him when the ball bounces. Mm-hmm. Um. The other goal that I had noted that I was just like uh, was surprised was the Sabarino goal, mm-hmm. where it's like he is one on one with Justin Morrow, and like just shat like you know shatters his uh, his ankles with a fake in in the in the turn of phrase, just sort of leaves him behind. Doesn't even like trip him. Like he doesn't really trip. He just like. Moro moves a step too far and ends up on his ass, and then uh, you get you get that uh, that final goal by Severino. Yeah, I mean, and it just shows too that RSL definitely has their their weak points and and has lacked some consistency. But on their night playing their style of soccer, they look as good as any team in MLS. Granted, I think they definitely were able to take advantage of a Toronto side that just didn't get their homework right or set themselves up correctly. Uh, but they still had to go out and do the dirty work and win the game. This is a, such a massive, massive point for them um, mm-hmm. moving forward where they've struggled. And I think will be, a, again, another huge confidence booster. The interesting thing to me about this game was that um, Sam Johnson was left out of the starting eleven. And this comes after some comments he made that he was uh, dealt with internally with, by the team. And then apparently he missed, he, or he was late to a team meeting, so he was left completely out of... Um, so he, he, set him, he sat him on the bench for the game instead. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what develops there with Sam Johnson, knowing that there seems to be a bit of a, some discipline issues Looks like it. Uh, look like uh, looks like they did okay without him. Um, it could have been five, really. There were two. There were two opportunities. Yeah. One one was a, a a quick take, an attempt to do a, a quick restart on a free kick uh, that hit the post, and then uh, a Rusnak hit the post at the end of the game, um, but it was offside because Plata had been offside. The, the one thing I want to mention as well uh, was this goal from Bofo Saucedo. Oh. Where yeah, he yeah. is just, I have written, where were you keeping that? Like, you just had that. You were just holding on to that for a rainy day. He just yeah. walks across the top of the box. There's zero pressure on him from the, the Toronto oh. defense and hits this amazing, no pressure, individual effort from 30 yards out. Yeah. It, I mean,. The, I mean, you, you could see in the celebrations <laughs> that, like, maybe even he didn't quite believe it was going to go in, but just such a, a fantastic effort. Um, and, I mean, and Toronto was kind of sunk here, too, by the, some stupidity. I mean, Pozuelo, to get his second yellow, was that was just such a, a needless challenge to go in on the player and making no attempt to win the ball. So 
that didn't help things, but um, I didn't. It, I really it, didn't get that when I looked at the video. I didn't understand what he was getting called for. Well, I think it's it's just another foul, and I th- I think Pozuelo's complaint is like he he really hasn't done all that much. But the point is, he's fouling the player. He makes no attempt he, to win the ball, and he comes in late. And I think the referee kind of just got sick of him doing things like that. So, I mean, it's definitely a foul because he's playing the player and not the ball. And he's already sitting on a yellow. So maybe the player milks it a little bit. But I I think that for Pozuelo, there just needs to be a little bit more calm there. That he does, he's coming from behind the player. There's no threat. There's already another. Uh, there's another Toronto defender there dealing with it. So he's he's coming in late from behind. Don't give the referee the option to give you that second yellow. It maybe yeah. it's a little soft, but at that point in the game, um, to me, this is just a. We've seen these before, and we saw some this week outside of this game, where it's definitely an attacker's challenge, where you're just like, no, mate. Like, <laughs> if you're gonna go for the yellow, do it in midfield, but not, you know. When you're 45 yards out, mm-hmm. another team, not a threat. Another team that I would say is is an example of sort of like a a mid uh, a mid tier Western team uh, facing off a, a team that you consider a, a contender from the East. Houston beat DC United two one. Yeah, this one was. A, I mean, a, a bit of a surprise for me. I don't know what you, your thoughts on it are, but. DC obviously has looked a little bit shaky, um, but I, this was a, a huge surprise to me that Houston was able to pull off this and and really starts to signal to me what could happen in playoff situations because you you have to feel that Houston um, could really be a, a really strong contender if they're in the postseason. Yeah, absolutely. Especially after a game like this, you have uh, um, not a lot happened in the first half, uh, it, but Rooney got a, Rooney gets that first goal off of a, a quick counter. Uh, gets played through uh, by Segura, um, and then you have another great individual goal from uh, for, uh, with the theme this week um, was that was something of a theme. From Memo Rodriguez, who blows off two defenders with a cutback and, and scores one of his own to tie it up. Um, mm-hmm. their, DC didn't help themselves by getting Paul uh, Ariola sent off after he gets caught up with a with Lundqvist is falling, and uh, I it's clearly not intentional, but he does kick Lundqvist in the ribcage like he was looking for the ball, so. That's uh, that's just not something that you could justify. Yeah, that's hard. <laughs> I mean, it's it happens in in game situations, but like, yeah. I mean, sorry. I'm thinking. I just got back from a soccer game, and I, I had to have a, a few shouts to my own team of of just getting involved in in silly plays. And this is the kind of one too where you're like, just did you really need to be there doing that? <laughs> I could see you on camera making just wincing, and it's like you were you were like it was flashing before your eyes again. A little bit. Uh, <laughs> I also want to take a shout out here to uh, Tommy McNamara, who scored a goal with his thigh, 
Like he sort of, but like like a like he is running thirty uh, thirty yards out to to catch a bouncing ball that's heading in his direction, and I almost I had to replay it a couple times because I thought it was handball, but no, he like just he does not get it with his knee or his foot or or his head. It just sort of like hits the top of his leg and goes in. So don't see too many <laughs> thigh goals, but I was very excited uh, for that one. Yeah, and it was one that Hamid really didn't like that one either. <laughs> like his reaction to that goal is he's just furious by it. But uh, I'm a big fan of any goal that goes in off of strange body part. And it was right after the memo goal too. So it was sort of after DC had had so much, it was like bam, bam, in two minutes, all of a sudden Houston is leading. Like you said, this is something that you look at when you're looking at how a team will compete in the long run. Um, another sort of strange scenario, uh, another scenario that is is sort of like playoff emulation um, was LAFC and Dallas playing basically a home-at-home series in the middle of the season. Um, yeah, this is such a strange matchup when that happens. I, I think it's it's it happens maybe three or four times throughout the season where a team has to do the home and away against the same opponent. And especially two opponents like this, right? Like, this is a, a pretty prime billing of, of two strong Western teams. Yeah. The the first one on, on, on Wednesday, we, we did get to see some of the, the Wednesday games. Um, the LAFC won 2-0. Vela has this sort of, like, sly... Uh, uh, the sly thing where he stays... What do I have here? It uh, he is staying up and he turns, I guess, in advance before the the, the ball comes forwards to him mm-hmm. uh, to be able to score. Um, it was a great home win for them, and then Dallas came back around and said, "Well, we've got to find a way to respond to this." And they scored. They scored first. Um, another theme of this week is teams playing wide right into the center and just completely scrambling the brains of defenses along the way. Yes. And uh, and this was Dallas's first goal for me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it, and it shows you um, that Dallas can be uh, such a clever team at times. Again, they're a team that's still developing and don't quite have the full picture all together. But... It, it was good to see them bounce back. I thought they were a little unfortunate in the the first game. I thought they played okay. Um, for me, in the second game, uh, I, I feel like this one maybe could have been a, a one nothing win for them had some decisions gone their way. But uh, <laughs> it's probably a fair result given the caliber. This is a, this was a. I have a, a a contentious or heavily refereed game. Uh, Vela gets Vela gets called for a penalty and, and has it saved. Dallas has somebody sent off for denial of, of obvious goal scoring opportunity. I think that was the same play. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, um, it was Matt Hedges that got sent off. Which yes. Upon seeing it again, I was like, yeah. I mean, it's not a malicious tackle, but he is denying an obvious goal scoring opportunity. So that's the right call. I didn't think the first penalty was a penalty, but or sorry. That was the first penalty. The second penalty, there were two penalties. One of them was saved on 49, and then the other one was scored on 80. 
Yeah, there was the second one that drew it that I didn't think was a penalty, but it's a little soft. I mean, until they change the rule, but it's just like, yeah, your hand is, the handball thing is just so maddening right now. <laughs> it's like, There's... if you just smash it into a player's arm and they're, I mean, it's in an unnatural position because he's trying to run and kick it with his leg, but. I have a, a kind of like feeling about it where um, unnatural position, I'm, I, I, I definitely think that it should be like more intentional than not, but I think in some situations, unintentional handball should be called. Mm-hmm. Like, in, oh, and sure. really that's just kind of like the, the, the risk you run of having your arms wave around, right? Like it is true that he's, you know, he's not intending to have his arm down like that, but I feel like in a scenario where it's 90 degrees, regardless of where you, whether you intended to or not. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, maybe a better thing to say is like, it's a fortunate penalty. Um, maybe it's not a clear, no penalty shout. Um, really liked Minnesota this week. They mm-hmm. won, uh, won nothing against Columbus at home. Uh, Huge. in a game where they pushed really hard for a long time and, uh, and were eventually rewarded for it. Absolutely. I, I had, um, some, some feedback from some Columbus fans that there's just, <laughs> there's just no joy sometimes. <laughs> In being a soccer fan, I think it was after the first Whitecaps game. I, I tweeted something, um, and then I got I got some Columbus fans feeling quite similarly that like sometimes there's the pieces there, but somehow things are just not clicking. But it's just so good uh, of Minnesota again to see a bit of resilience, a bit of fight from them, being able to control yeah. the game. Columbus hasn't been in form, so I don't know that it tells us a ton about Minnesota, but. They've put themselves in such a good position now. I mean, they're sitting in fifth. Now, there's not a ton of points between them and other teams, but we're starting to see some of those defensive things become a little bit cleaner. Obviously, having uh, Ibarra... Or, um, whoa, the name of the defender that they brought into their team. Opara. Name. Opara, thank you. <laughs> Bringing Opara in has helped them greatly. Um, Mm -hmm. So 18 points, they're tied with Dallas, which is like, that's pretty good company to be keeping at this point in, well, at any point in the season, it's great company to have. Yeah, I think that you're, you're right to say like, like, what does it say about, does it necessarily say a lot about Columbus? I think the number one thing you have to say is that I really appreciate the fight of Minnesota to have a goal disallowed or to have a couple scenarios where it seems like they didn't get what they would think they deserved. Uh, mm-hmm. They had they had nine they had nineteen shots and three on target. Um, yeah. And like in a game like that, there are teams and players in this league that'll get frustrated and will not be able like like won't be able to hold it. And so I really mm-hmm. credit a team that is able to sort of pull through. Uh, they had uh, a bar. Uh, I had a bar up, but I think I might have been wrong about on um, the first disallowed goal. They, uh, they, the Columbus hit a post. Uh, Quintero scored at the far post, but I had was he offside? Can you be offside on a corner? But I guess it was just like it had bounced 
free and the person who headed it to him had been offside, I think. So tough affair. And they'd just been in a lot of scenarios where where they could have been the ones to take it. And then on, on this goal they eventually score is such a, a fantastic team goal where a corner is sent back to uh, to their player number 19, I have in my notes, who is uh, Metaniere. Uh, Romain Metaniere sends it to the far post where a diving header by Brent Collin chips it up over the keeper to Ethan Finley, who steers it into the empty net. So it's like this four-touch... It's this It's this four-touch thing that relies on a little bit of luck and a little bit of positioning and ricochets over three different places in the the, uh, the attacking third... Um, but they're able to pull it off, and I think that it was a it was a great showing. Yeah, and uh, you know, always good for some dramatics there. That um, Ethan Finley uh, earlier in the week sort of had said that he was looking forward to beating his or beating up on his old club, and it's, <laughs> it's storylines like that that you just can't. Well, I guess you can write them sometimes, but um, great to see him back in form, and just again, good to see Minnesota. Looking like they've got some fight, looking like they have something different in their locker to what we've seen. What did you think? Uh, did you get a chance to see the Vancouver-Atlanta uh, um, game on Wednesday? I did not. Um, so although it was a home game, I opted instead for uh, going to see Neil Young. Cause I had yeah! To... So I was otherwise occupied, but coming out, because um, they ended around the same time, I was sure I made the right decision. Um, just, yeah, granted, all I've seen is the highlights. And with the result on the weekend helping maybe take the sting out of this one, um, not great. But I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts about this game. I've got I kind of, but... I was going to really sort of tie it into the other one. I did, I did watch it, hmm. but it was just sort of, there was... It was one of the tough, you know, we we associate Atlanta so much with these romps at home. Um, yeah. But this was something that they could do sometimes is grind a result uh, out away. And certainly we have been trying to play this very uh, low risk, like, you know, sort of risk reducing style um, this year with some of the big teams like this. And, and we... The result was there wasn't a lot of fun stuff going on in the game. Joseph <laughs> no, uh, I mean, Martinez wins with a penalty kick. My my only two thoughts about this game are really that, uh, yes, it's a very clear penalty. I don't know why anyone's arguing it's not. Um, um, just because I think sometimes people forget that just because you're not sliding in with both feet and taking a player down in the box, like there's other ways to get a penalty. Um, and one is clattering into them from behind. Yes. Without them having any knowledge. I know the overall play of Atlanta really ground on some fans' nerves, that there, there seemed to be an awful lot of uh, flopping around going on, mm-hmm. and some gamesmanship. And the other thought is just that even for a midweek crowd, um, Vancouver's hurting. And um, th- just to see how empty it was was kind of mind-blowing to think that you you would really think even for a Wednesday game Atlanta would have a bigger draw and yeah 
I don't know how much we, we get into it this week, but um, the attendance is, is really, really taking a hit at BC Place. It, uh, it, there's not a lot of new developments in the, in the, uh, the situation, uh, in the continuing protests and, and, uh, 2008 related, um, investigations. Um, but I mean, that was, that number was, uh, 16,138, which some people dispute alone, dispute as a number, but Mm -hmm. is the, the fourth lowest MLS home game for the Whitecaps, third lowest in BC place. It's bad. It's the lowest since 2013. There have been other Wednesday games. Uh, and they, yeah. <laughs> they, and again, if it, if we were playing uh, Colorado at home or something, then I could maybe understand it. But like, uh, we're playing Atlanta. Granted, Almiron's no, no longer there. But like, if I didn't have Neil Young tickets, I would have gone to this game be, to see Martinez, of course. Of yeah. course. But um, I saw no advertising for the game, and yeah, I think that I think that we're in it's it's in some ways confusing, but not confusing because this is not a scenario where it it relates to weakness in the market or necessarily lack of interest in the team. It's all about the ongoing, uh, the ongoing like. You know, public relations issue the team has it itself in in, in its attempt to continue to uh, wait until the fire goes, it like you know, drown it of, of oxygen. Creating... So you're saying waiting for a problem to just disappear is not working? And in the meantime, everybody just feels bad. Everybody just feels bad. That's the thing. It's like like when I I I haven't been there personally in the game, but the the stadium. But it's like. People just don't seem happy to be there. Well, and they're not because, quite frankly, it sucks. It sucks to to be like, I want to come and support my team. I want to come and watch a freaking soccer game. But it's just so hard to want to be in any way associated with the club right now. And it, it is a bummer. It's sucking the life out of those who are still attending um, how are you going to cheer your loudest? How are you going to come out and and try to try to bring friends and rally around your club in a tough moment on the field um, if there's all this other stuff going on in the background and just feeling like um, there, there's just so much negativity there? It's it's hard. Yeah, yeah. No, it's I find it to be rough. Um, I'm excited to be there next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for Pride Night, doesn't Vancouver have Pride in August? But but here we are, anyways. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> um, the uh, the game on the weekend was a lot, uh, you know, leaving behind the the strange situation with BC Place. Um, the game on the weekend had the uh, the quality of of exercising old ghosts. Returning to the scene of uh, last year's six nothing game, um, in leaving with a very respectable one one draw. Yeah, um, things for me in this game still didn't look that bright. Um, I was very excited because I made a little comment that uh, 
what's been hurting us a few times now is Ali Adnan is playing in such an advanced position up the field that it really leaves that um, left flank wide open and is asking an awful lot of the center backs to do because our wingers are really not defending unless we're in a situation where there's been a slow buildup of play. The wingers are basically taken completely out of the equation in terms of defending for a lot, for large parts of the game. Which means that if you've got Ali Adnan in this really high press, in this high attacking role, and he's not able to get back, of course there's this wide room, and that's exactly what happens on this play. Um, And then it was nice to to get some, some recognition from local sports people about it. (laughs) <laughs> which doesn't always happen with my stupid ramblings. It was it was more validating because sometimes I think I understand a soccer tactic and then I tweet about it and then somebody's like, "Yeah, but why but they needed to be there because of this." And I'm like, "Oh. Yeah, that's right." <laughs> anyway, it's beside the point. This is a uh... A lot of people were talking, and this is, you talk about a non-pressing high, right? And a lot of people are mm-hmm. talking, the, the big talking point in this is the wonderful, in, and it's been, it was a dire game in some respects uh, for the 93 minutes that preceded Derek Cornelius's goal. Um, the, a lot of, the, I all, will always give a team uh, a little bit of an extra credit for scoring and injury time because that's it validates belief, you know. Mm-hmm. You, a team is continuing to fight until the very end and, and is able to get something. I really value that, even if the rest of the game looked a little tired sometimes. The talking point that a lot of people are, are mentioning is that Cornelius used to be a center forward mm-hmm. um, before he was converted into a center back, uh, I believe before we got him. The... So he he hits this marvelous uh, volley off of an Aliadnan cross. Yeah, but it 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 seems to make me think that between Adnan and him and PC, we off we seem to have an awful lot of defensive players <laughs> that uh, whose best attributes are in attack. I mean, we could also mention the fact that now Vancouver's defenders have more collective goals than all of our strikers. <laughs> Just saying. Um, sometimes, yeah, I mean, sometimes, the, it, sometimes it's good. There have been great players in, through history that move from defense to attack, and PC's been great in the center for, in the in the forward role where they've been putting him. Well, not. I don't know, great, but... but PC has been better in the forward role. (laughs) (laughs) I agree, I agree. PC has been... I think PC has been deployed correctly in the attacking role and less of the (laughs) defending role. Um, And that's good coaching. Um, On the... Yeah, on Cornelius' side, as you said, like, there's... It's a pretty common move, actually, to have center forwards that move to be a center back. Um, so it, it's not surprising that Cornelius has some uh, strikers finishes in his bag of tricks. And it's great news for Whitecaps fans who have a team that really seems to like to make difficult uh, life difficult for themselves to have <laughs> defenders that can can bail them out and we can score goals by committee. The thing that keeps sort of chewing at my nerves a little bit is that despite how much has changed and it really does feel like a lot has changed and the team is maybe beginning to finally develop a bit of an identity and I believe that will continue 
is that every single positive thing we've said about the Whitecaps this year is something that we've said in the past about them, them under Carl Robinson. And I'm not suggesting that that's looking into a crystal bar ball or or a crystal bar, and that um, MDS is going to suffer the same fate. But to say, you know, okay, we're not winning a ton of games and our strikers aren't scoring, but we're scoring goals by committee. Sound a little familiar? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm struggling still to see, and I, I think Mark Dos Santos is as well. Maybe that's the thing that's different is that I think the coach is very aware of where the, the weaknesses lie. But right now, to scrape a point like that out of this game, um, Mark Dos Santos said earlier in the week, like, there's never a good time to play Sporting Kansas City just because they have a ton of injuries right now. Going there to play a game is never easy, and I'm glad that that was the mentality going in. Um, and, and for me, it's still that uh, the, the, a bit of a question mark and maybe something to think about as we move closer and closer towards June when Ali Adnan's loan is up is he has been great. However, uh, I think at this point, just statistically, his mistakes have cost us more than his amazing skill has gained us. <laughs> I think he's still maybe a player worth investing in, but if there's another left back out there who's maybe a bit of more of a complete player who can also get back to cover that position um, defensively, then that might be something worth looking at. And maybe Adnan has been a, a really great short-term solution, and as energizing as it's been, I, I still think we're weak in that left-back position, and there might we should look for other options if we have somebody who's maybe more in like the 25, 26 year old range who's maybe not as he's not going to be the same pedigree of player but might be a little bit more complete when it comes to some of those positional plays. I, it might also be the way that Mark Dos Santos is deploying Adnan. Maybe he's he'd rather have him further up ahead in attack because when they've been having players come on to sub in that left-back position, they are pushing Adnan up to essentially be a winger. Um, if I, only there was a player in world football that started at left-back and moved forward to winger that isn't uh, that is no longer welcome at their current club. <laughs> Even I know what you're talking about. <laughs> People, I actually have heard uh, Gareth Bale to MLS rumors. I feel like that would extremely not happen. But uh, but yeah, no, every no, time no. somebody every every time somebody becomes available, it seems that that sort of thing seems to come up. Um, the other thing I wanted to note with uh, that I do think that the Whitecaps like attack has I've I've said that it, you know they it's they seem to layer the defensive side first and then layer the attack on afterwards. I'm I'm starting to see more rhythm from the various attackers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the travel is starting to get to them, though, and that's going to really have a deleterious effect on that. I'm seeing Kasim Kimji uh, has tweeted that uh, the, the, looking at the same thing. <laughs> that the flight out of Kansas City, we're, we're taping this on a, a Thursday, and they're flying out of Kansas City to New York to play against the Red Bulls in midweek, and apparently that flight has been canceled because the plane needs repairing. Um we're recording on a Tuesday. It's not Thursday. Tuesday. Sorry. Jeez, uh, just give me a heart attack. Was, <laughs> Look what's the, happening. We're recording, we're recording from the future of this game that is still to happen. Um, oh, let's the, hope that doesn't turn out to be true. 
I'm 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 happy to tell you that the Whitecaps uh, won one nothing despite having a red card. This is my 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 insanely specialized prediction that will probably not come true. Um, the uh, this all is this is all, and I feel like we see we're seeing this every week with more Wednesday games. Um, this is all an attempt to make the playoff system work. Mm-hmm. I think it's having a real negative impact on teams. A negative impact injury wise, and yeah. it is like like I understand we all complain about the final being in December. It's mm-hmm. having a negative impact on the game trying to compress the schedule like this. I agree. It's it's a little bit wild. Um, I yeah, I, of course I understand what they're trying to do, and I don't think there's ever going to be necessarily a, a perfect system, um, but. Yeah, it's it's starting to really... The cracks are beginning to show. And, you know, I've heard people talk about changing the rules, allowing for more deep DPs, a larger roster. But, it, like, to me, that seems sort of like Band-Aid solutions and, and fixing the wrong problem. Um, let's, uh, let's blast through some games to until we get to what I'm sure is your game of the season so far. Uh, Montreal 0-0 New England, a game that I... I, I thought had incredibly chill energy. Just some some yeah. really some really like wicked scoring chances that had zero danger attached to them, like players in crazy positions, lots of movements that can't get anything like finish. Like the worst the the closest goal was in the first half, which is like like I I don't even know how he started the the ball, but it's like I guess he hit something that was blocked and trickled through and, like, rolled as slow as possible towards the goal line before somebody <laughs> um, before somebody cut in and, and, and saved it. Uh, it's, like, it's, like, a game where it's, like, the, what, like, like, you keep, both defenses keep getting caught out in increasingly more terrifying positions, but it's, like, don't worry about it. It's fine. Zero-zero. Yeah. Um, it, it's really disappointing to me to, to see Montreal just sort of take their foot off the gas again. Um, they're, they continue to be a bit of a head-scratcher for me week to week. They look so good, play so well, and have so much energy, and then just games like this. Philadelphia 0-0 Seattle. Um, Philadelphia is looking, looking like the, the snappier team, um, but... So that, but they're playing Stefan Fry, and, and Fry is not going to give them anything. Nope. Uh, no result. Nothing. Nothing for Philadelphia, even though they were the the, the key team, I guess. With that, in another one of these, uh, what happens in the playoffs matchups? New York, uh, New York Red Bulls won nothing. Atlanta. Um, the uh, Martinez has a great chance one on one, but he takes a little bit too much time on it. Tim Parker is sent off for what I assume is an arm grab. I guess again the 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 variety of things that we see going on in 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 corners and in in the penalty area. Um, in the the eventual goal, Royer's cross finds uh, Harlow on the other side of the area for a, for a pretty solid one. There's some late game drama. Atlanta tries to find a, an equalizer, and uh, there's almost a little 
uh, a little dust up, but that doesn't happen. Um, and New York gets the three points in a, in a you know, that's uh that was the, the, the supporter shield race last year. So it's interesting to see if that will have a, an impact. Well, I guess it won't last. It won't this year because Atlanta is not in that conversation at the moment, but Hey, well, I mean, for supporter shield, <laughs> um, but we'll go on to what I described as your game of the season so far. I would, can only assume L.A. Galaxy 0, Colorado 1. Why would you assume that's my game of the season? Because <laughs> every week we wonder what's going to go on. When is Colorado going to... to uh, when is when you're not a one-player team, but when you're missing one player... <laughs> yes, well, and, and further to uh, some of my comments about people thinking that uh, DPs don't get fined or punished. Well, uh, Ibrahimovic got punished in a big way and was suspended a further two games for his uh, little dust-up last week. Wrapping, and... his, uh, wrapping his, his hand around the throat of Sean Johnson, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Can't do it, turns out. Um, and Disco made a strong statement. I was actually really surprised he got suspended for two games. I thought one would have been fair, but uh, they decided to add another one on. And, um, you know, also, it's just fun to hate on LA Galaxy. Uh, (laughs) As much as I want to lean into that character, I thought that they played okay (laughs) at points. There's some great saves off the line that, uh, that were made. This game could have really gotten away from them, but they just looked really really out of sorts and and Colorado just kept knocking at the door. Kamara missed a couple of shots that probably should have gone in and they I mean they left it late. They made it hard for themselves as only Colorado can do, but just such a massive win. And can, it's just so funny to be like they're winless in 9 and their first win comes against <laughs> There was still some some pretty shocking defending going on, and I, I don't think this really changes much for Colorado, where we can say San Jose might experience a bit of a lift this week. I don't think that's going to be the case for Colorado. Um, mentally, they might feel a little bit more positive, but I don't think this changes much for Colorado. All the same problems were there, and they probably should have scored three goals in this game instead of just one, which might sound too harsh, but... It's the truth. The the one goal is uh, Kamara shot blocked rebound Shin, uh, Shinishiki. Yeah, uh, who's, I, who's been kind of quiet there, but it was good to see him finally get on the board. I uh, my favorite tweet about this uh, was my favorite tweet about this came from uh, Sean Francis who tweeted. Imagine skipping the Game of Thrones finale to watch your club lose at home to the Colorado Rapids. Yeah, that was, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. You're allowed to... The only major piece of off-field news that I noted is that uh, DeMarcus Beasley has, has, uh, has posted on social media that this will be his, uh, this will be his final year. Mm-hmm. Um, 
after a long career starting in 1999 for LA Galaxy. Um, that includes 126 U.S. men's national team caps. Um, stints with LA, Chicago, Houston, uh, PSV, Manchester City, Rangers, Hanover, Pueblo. He's been everywhere. And, uh, and he's kind of a little bit more of a um, he's kind of a little bit more of a U.S. men's national team legend than an MLS legend, but he's still a key figure in the in the in the league, especially in that sort of like you know in that period where people were trying to weigh participating in MLS versus participating overseas. And for Houston, he's been such a critical component of. Uh, again, on-field leadership, I'm sure off as well. And really a, a key piece, I think, in terms of that transition of bringing younger players and international players into the fold. He's been such a critical part of that. Even when he hasn't been playing a ton, he's always come in and you've seen maximum effort for him, from him. And, you know, I mean, he's, he's got, he gets his goals as well. It's unfortunate, but like... You know, it's time for the dude to take a rest. He's done his job. Absolutely. Um, I my preemptive correction. I said he started for the LA Galaxy. He was allocated to the Galaxy and traded to Chicago, so he never played a mm. game with them. Mm-hmm. Um, until next week, while you're watching um, Colorado Col- or watching the Columbus game, where can we find you online? You can find me online at That's So MLS on Twitter and on the old Instagram. Where can we find you online? You can find me online at Team Bates on Twitter, www.team-bates.com. I am an editor at Howler Magazine, what a howler.com. Uh, and you can find this podcast at www.thatsomls.com, uh, as well as on Apple Podcasts and everywhere where you can find great podcasts. So please rate, review, and subscribe. Do those things, please. Until next week, don't get sent off.